Hey, it's the Go With Us podcast. I'm Jay. I'm Dimitri. And this week, we have a really special guest uh, that we did an interview with before the podcast, Patrick Kilpatrick. You may have seen him as the villain in some of your shows. Uh, you may have also seen him, uh, no, always as the villain the villain in some of your shows. And it's uh, it's not who he really is, obviously. He's a great actor, but he's a hilarious interview. And he's also very insightful. He has some great um, comments and key metrics about success that he shared with us. And we really, really wanted to uh, just share that with you guys as well. I love the fact that his characters are nothing like his actual personality. Yeah, that's very true. Um, but yeah, the overarching topic, because we said uh, in past shows that we're going to have uh, overarching topics for the shows. And the one for this show in particular is faith. And now faith can be looked at in many different ways. Faith can be looked at in the energy and universal way, or it could be looked at in the deity way where if you're religious, you believe in God or whatever it may be. Um, but so that faith doesn't take away from the other faith I'm talking about. If anything, it actually consecrates it and makes it something that you believe in more full heartedly without fail. So the faith I'm talking about is the faith of an entrepreneur, which is stupid faith <laughs> it's faith that doesn't even make sense blind faith if it's you will. blind obnoxious almost self like loathing faith <laughs> you have to not stop believing in what you can do and what you believe your your company is going to be you have to be your own number one fan exactly yep it's but it's not just number one fan um, we want the thing I want to express is the fact that we've obviously told you guys we've been at this for a while. It's been like nine years. We've done some pivots, but this is the ultimate pivot back to an original idea, and we're really focusing on going 110 percent in this direction. And the thing is, we've had faith in every iteration of the company. We had we have as much faith in this as we have in the past. However, our faith now has, or so our faith in the past has had a cloud of just being jaded kind of over it or, or like i would say like tunnel visioned uh there's also like you said obnoxious faith where it's just like no matter what you know you could lose a limb and still keep going yeah but it was also cloaked in this in this fatigue we were just done there was there are points in time where yes we had faith like we knew it was gonna work and it was a war of attrition at that point and we're like we know we're gonna do it we know we're gonna make it but oh my gosh i hate this I hate I hate doing this. I hate showing up. I hated like having to do. It was know. like zombie mode. You just, yeah, you just did it. But you knew like if you were a zombie, eventually I'd find a brain to eat. Like that's just <laughs> you. So you knew it was gonna work. Yeah, if you survive through it. And that's the whole thing. You were in like survival mode, really hardcore survival mode. Like just keep grinding and, kind of thing. And it was wearing. It was taxing. You yep. just you could feel the pressure of of just working through it every day and coming into the same place and looking at the walls like i want to smash my head into it but i know that on the other side if i keep at it success will be there and it's just like uh, youtube channels instagram channels like there are a lot of people that think oh how did that person get so lucky and you don't realize they literally stayed on that platform nonstop. And when you do that, you make it so you, you create this this expectation of you as an individual and you will find success if you just 
do the work. And again, it's a war of attrition. You just go through your paces. Keep going. Keep trudging along. Keep doing what you have to do. Trudging? No. Trudging along. <laughs> um, but the difference this time around is we have the same kind of faith. We have the same, I want to say, level of faith. However, there is like this new spark underneath it. There's this new belief because we're kind of chasing, again, the old idea, the original idea that we never got a chance to actually do. But in the manner that we've been going about it, we've kind of just dove head first into this entire entrepreneurial realm realm here because before we were just businessmen doing things without looking at the right way to get investments or the right way to scale we weren't looking at it as a tech company like most people do we we weren't even knowledgeable of SaaS and so on and now here we are full-heartedly in this world and things are clicking. So let me ask you this. Since we've been at it for nine years, there's been times where we were in zombie mode. There were times when we didn't want to come into the office, whatever it is. And now you said that things are clicking now, which they are. We are actually further along now than we ever have been. Now, I want to find out that one single point of when it just kind of happened, when the, the, like, the switch turned or, or whatever happened that let us come out of zombie mode. I want to say honestly, for me, in my own personal, uh, in my own personal life, it's not even just life, but in my own personal development as a person in this role. Uh, like I said to you in the other room uh, when we were on Twitch just recently, um, I feel as though I was a leader prior to our prudential ID like iteration. Yep, but then. Because of what was going on there, I kind of let things get out of hand, and there were so many people. Yeah, because there were so many people involved. Everybody had their own idea. But it wasn't even just that. It was like people involved, and it was a bunch of, hey, but if you let me do this, I can make better things happen. And I just wasn't paying much attention to. You also didn't want to fight with people. Yeah, and and, Um, and it was just I let it slip away, and I took that L, and I took it very personally. And then we, we went into cockroach mode where it was like we have to exist to exist so we can get back on track but cockroach mode almost took a mind of its own it just kind of became the thing that we were yeah no i remember that then it that that happened as recently as a couple years ago yeah but i always knew like okay we're gonna be okay we're we're not only are we gonna be okay we're gonna succeed it's just we have to get there we have to figure it out we have to figure it out yeah so my question to you is uh we were in cockroach or zombie mode a couple years ago what was that one thing that clicked that let us come out of that was it you realizing how to lead it was me yeah kind of jumping back into where my head you know where where i'm supposed to be and i mean that happened as recently as a couple years ago it happened it happened honestly less than two years ago yep i literally got into like i got out of bad relationships i got out of really draining things um i looked at how the network was we let go of a lot of programs we let go of a lot of people i mean we we were in survival mode yeah and so we just it kind of said like it kind of got to a point where we were like you know what we'll we'll eat this like bill and just really refocus who we are and kind of take ourselves to task and say, let's get back on track. And it was like, okay, we're going to make it. It's just like, what's going to take. And and I think getting married and then going, okay, you have 
a person that you bounce ideas off of, there's like literally no excuse for you to fail because a lot of people do things so they can eventually get the person that they want to be with or that's not, I didn't have the network for that. The network wasn't my pickup line. That wasn't my <laughs> icebreaker. Hey, I'm a business owner. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it, it almost became that, but it's like, it shouldn't have been. And so like at this point, I'm kind of like, okay, so let me look at what it is that we were trying to create. What's our legacy? What are we going to leave behind? And Everybody knows I have health problems and so on, but I really looked at it and said, let me take a minute and think, how can I get back to who I am? And I looked at my business plan, like the old one, the one that I had written out by hand, just like really took a look at it and said, we can do this. And I, it's not like you and I are in, incompetent. We're not. It was just we weren't focused on that. No, we weren't. Like you said, we were just focused on surviving. So once we said, okay, screw surviving, we'll pay this bill like, that's just it. This bill exists. This place exists. Let's move forward. We kind of like said, all right, let's take a step back. Kill all of this. <laughs> we just, we went into just axe everything. And it's because it had to go. It was, it was reminders and things holding us like to the way that we used to do it. And right. there was no qualms with the individuals. We went out and started getting like people on board for board members. We started looking at advisors. We're like, like this. It suddenly changed. Like it became legit. Yeah, and we yeah. just turned it on. Like, all right, now we're on the path to figuring out what this company can become, which it was supposed to be years ago. And it, but it was like that faith that we had. Like when we knew, okay, it got to a point where you and I both said. I don't know what I'd be doing if I didn't have this to come to. Yeah. You know, true. it's like, what do, What would my life, not my days, because sometimes you take a day off and you're just like, ah, I need a day off. Oh, yeah. I'll stay at home. Where, like, I'll sleep. It, it, but the weird thing is if I don't come here for like two or three days in a row, but when I do come here, it's like, wow, I haven't been here in so long. Yeah. But it's like, that's the thing is, so when we realize it's like, okay, what would our life be without this? And it's just like, okay, so we know that this is that important to us. But, I also think it's just because we've been doing it for so long. Yeah, but we've been doing the wrong thing for so long. Yeah. So here's the reality. We're in the same building, right? We're in the same building that we were, in, we were in cockroach mode in. But now it feels like a completely different life exists here. It does, yeah. everything You see everything with like a renewed eye. And it's now it's like visceral how bad we want this, how everybody on this team understands it. Like the team that's developing behind us. We're getting everybody on board to the same vision. Well, interns, hey, look, these are people that may or may not stay with the company, and it's like I want to sit down with them and talk to them. You know, we're looking at revising. the. the all right, let's put it like this. It, there's a lot to be said about a company via their web page, right? Their website. Yep. Our previous website, you could tell where we were. <laughs> Mostly because it was just single-handedly done by me. <laughs> yeah, but it was also, it was done by you, but then you were like, no, I did it. I did a website just to do a website. And But it was like, no, I understand what year we're in, but no, I did it then. <laughs> so it still exists and plays the current stuff. I don't know about the rest of the stuff. It doesn't matter to me. I'll put a new show name up. But that's as far as it's going to go. <laughs> I'm really not. Guys, I don't know what you expected from me because it's not going to happen. I did it then. Yep. That's all that matters. Exactly. I did it just to do it, just to have a website. But now, you know, we, it was a whole team effort. We had everybody's, uh, everybody included and the old link routes to the new websites. Yeah. And we just kind of like also we we went all in and learned what we didn't know. That was what was cool. I like learning new things. So when this network 
challenged me and it wasn't the same mundane tasks every day, I got excited again. And I realized not only are these new tasks, these are new tasks that are leading somewhere. We're now looking at what this company can become. Again, we are in a space that if you if you talk to us two years ago, we'd be like, yeah, no, it is what it is. We're trying. But if you came and talked to us today, the network is on the way to being the biggest thing you've ever seen in your entire life. We are going to be amazing. You are not going to be able to go anywhere without knowing us. It's almost going to be as bad as that. You ever see the Simpsons Halloween specials? Oh, the Treehouse of Horrors? Yeah. yeah. There was a Treehouse of Horrors episode where he got a monkey paw. And they wanted to be famous. That was like one of his wishes. I want to be rich and famous. They had like really bad songs that made them famous. They were like horrible songs. Their purse explodes with money and everything. They were everywhere to the point of where you would drive down the street. They had like wheels with their faces on. Like that's, I mean, up to that point is how much you're going to know about us. Like we're going to be everywhere. Basically that faith that we had that kept us going through cockroach mode and through zombie mode, we just took a a step outside of ourselves and realized that we don't want to be here forever. Yeah. So it was that faith of knowing, hey, we are going to be doing something just right now. We're kind of like biding our time. Exactly. And it was that faith of like, you know what? I also, it's it's more than because like so we're human. So I'll get into it with Dimitri. I'll get into it with Kat. I'll get into it with Jerumi or other team members. It's just it's what happens. Um, I'll get into it with the other Dimitri. Just two Dimitris, by the way. Uh, and it's just I want to make two J's just so you know how confusing it is. Oh no, I'll be fine. They'll always know which one because <laughs> like, it's just me. Be like when they go, oh, it's J. They'll be like, oh, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> oh, it's J. Oh, yeah. it's the other one. Okay. But um, no, I get into it with people because we're human. But I also know who I'm working with. So I know that if I were to chase an idea or chase the new vision or an old vision made anew, I would have a team member that would execute so we can get there. So it wouldn't be this like, oh, I don't know if my team's going to help me out. I so don't... it's also a faith in each other. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, I got it. And there was a, a point in time where I forgot who I was. And I will be honest. There was I had a friend call me and he called from California and he just checked me. He he absolutely checked me because I was talking to him about like, hey, you want to introduce us like into you want to introduce us to investors and everything. He's like, the version of you now. This was like a, a little bit ago. He was like, the version of you now, no, but you before, yeah, the one that if somebody told you something, you'd be like, oh, f this, I'm gonna go prove you wrong. Yeah, almost like you were you were genius out of spite is what it was. Yeah, and then like when you went into survival mode, they didn't. He didn't want to. He didn't want that version of you. Yeah, because it wasn't a version that you could present to an investor. Right, right, right. Of course. So here I am, back on like what made us do this in the first place. So how good do you feel now compared to let's say two years ago? Amazing. Do I have a a day gig that sucks? Yeah, but so do most entrepreneurs. You you're almost moonlighting at your your startup. (laughs) That's what it is. You're almost moonlighting at your startup. It's it's when you start moonlighting at your job because your startup is doing well that you feel that extra bit of energy because it's like oh my gosh this thing that we really put ourselves into is taking off. It's like that when that one second of of time hits in your in your brain and you're like oh well maybe i don't need this job forever yeah exactly well listen i've had that <laughs> well no but like knowing like like actually yeah, knowing. In reality be like okay yeah. well give it a couple months and i might not even be here anymore exactly and that's kind of like our that's our 
focus right now. Our focus is, okay, we are entering accelerators. We are looking at talking to investors. We have talked to investors. We have the pitch deck and everything. Like it's just, and it's not like, oh, we got to create a pitch deck. No, it's we got to revise everything that people have seen. We need some. We had some suggestions made to us. It would clean up some things. We we have all the elements that we need. And the funny thing is that I realized it literally all happened within the last year. Yeah. And uh, listen, when they say a difference a year make, like that is that is incredibly true. Absolutely, we have we have new shows that are doing great right now. They are sold selling out events. Yes, yes. And, <laughs> and so we like a, two years ago or three years ago, we would have never thought that we would be at this stage so quickly. But here you are, like you said, with pitch checks, with investors, with. But see, the funny thing is, we so years ago. Here's here's the thing. Years ago. We wouldn't have thought we'd be here so quickly. But years prior to those years ago, we would have absolutely thought we would have been here. Because we were on fire when we first started as a show. Right, right. Yes. We were on fire. But like, I mean, d- due to life, you know, stuff happens and then things fell apart. So yeah. we had to go into survival mode. Yeah, and that's that's all it is. And sometimes, listen, if you're out there and you are you have a company and you've been working at it for a couple of years and you just can't figure out what to do next, have faith in yourself. Have faith in your idea because honestly... It's what, what there's a couple of things I see, and yes, they're cheesy, they're cliche, but they're true. Uh, like you see a tree, it goes through all this work, but everyone wants to give up right at the end. That's like the saying is like a tree bears its rewards after, like showing fruit or whatever, after its work, bears the, the fruit of its hard work after it's all done. So you work and you work and you work, you grind and you grind and you grind. Nobody's going to see it. You're going to want to give up and it's at that moment when you're about to give up that everything comes to pass. You just have to keep working at my, it. My favorite one of my favorite pictures online about that is um there's a picture of two men tunneling underground and the first one says uh, don't give up on your dreams. Um, and it's just the guy tunneling and then maybe like a little bit ahead of him is like jewels or whatever, or gold that he hasn't got to yet. And, um, the second line below that is you never ha- know how close you are because the other line is him giving up with him being like an inch away from that gold. Yeah. Like he's almost there. And if he didn't give up, he would have never known. He, he just gave up and he didn't know how close he was to success. And that's the reality. Like, that's the war of attrition. That's that's what you're doing. If you have faith in yourself, it's that ability to say, nah, just one more day. Nah, just one more month. Nah, and so I can success do it. is closer than you might think. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what that's what we had and we still have. But it's now it's renewed. It's it's a it's something that I appreciate that we had because we we. It wasn't that we came into this blind. It was that we came into it naive. Like, you, we started a show. I knew I wanted the show to be bigger. I had a team that believed in it. Um, and then we kind of got lost because we, honestly, we hit early. That was our, that was our downfall. We got big early. Really quick, yeah. And I then. Remember, I remember it, that. Yeah, we got big early. And so here we are, like, kind of, you know, believing our own, you know, stuff. We're drinking our own Kool-Aid. Yeah, we're like, yeah, no, we, we're those guys. We're that. We're that team. That's who we are. And then life was like, oh, kicking the pants. <laughs> we're like, oh, I don't know what to do. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. High in the corner. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Everything's scary. Everything's big, bad, and scary. And we just got lost. We got lost in that haze, the aftermath of that bomb that hit us. And then here we are. 
This is this is us on the other side. On the other side, we have experiences, we have lessons learned, we have failures, we had successes in those moments too. It wasn't that we were completely without successes. It just wasn't ad nauseum like it was before. Where now we're looking at something even bigger. Yeah. For instance, we just had um uh an individual, I'm gonna say Nick Cost, who's like or Nick Coast. I always forget how to say his name. But he has an amazing production company that he creates like incredible audio dramas that rival some of the audio dramas that you've heard out there. And he's on board with us. We have that going for us. Like we have uh Badass Mamas was the show. Like we have a she's holding almost like a town hall thing, whatever, a a, a symposium thing that's sold out. And that's, that's the event sold out in what, like two weeks? Like Not that? even. Yeah. Like, and that's and we don't have tons of push for certain things. And now we're getting back into actually putting out promo. We got to start doing that. We're gonna start promoing our our old YouTube stuff. Where we we talk with uh, the interview that you're gonna hear is Patrick Kilpatrick, who we spoke to him and he heard the energy. He started telling us about his success and about what it took to make him who he is. And it it's just it's almost it's almost a synergy between the two of us. Like mm-hmm. it's you know, between the Go Network and Patrick and what he's doing and how he's moving. It's so incredible. Like uh we're just I say we're blessed, or you could say we're fortunate. We can all agree that we're perseverant. <laughs> yes. So I'm genuinely just, I'm going to say thank you guys. I'm going to say thank you for those that are just jumping on this show. Those that found out that we were back at it again, not under the original name, but under this new name. I just want to say thank you to everyone that has participated in the journey that is, that got us here. Um, You may see the Facebook uh, page name change for the show Uh, from Gag Order Radio Show. It may go into Go With Us because obviously we've changed what we're doing. Um, but it's still us, obviously. It's mm-hmm. it's still us. We're just not swearing as much. <laughs> We're not quite quite the raunchy people that we used to be. Yeah, and that's and that's you know um, we're not ashamed of the past. It was just we were. Who you we know, were. it made us who we were today. So if yeah. you think about it, that's how we started. So. so that's that's just a reality. Um, and if I sound really animated, uh, it's because we <laughs> listen to rock music underneath us recording so i'm like i love guitar i love rock music i also love country music a lot of people know that so uh and i love rap but i love in that order (laughs) um so i'm just kind of like really into the music so i'm i'm a bit bouncy but uh yeah what we're gonna do now is we're gonna end the show here our talking currently in the now, this is weird. We're doing time travel. This is playing back. You are going to hear the recording of our interview with Patrick Kilpatrick. Yes. And See, we that? hope you enjoy that because that was also very, very fun. Um, and it's insightful. If you listen all the way through, you'll hear some incredible advice. You'll see where his mindset is. He also has a book out there um, that you guys can actually get on Amazon. I believe mm-hmm. he can, he can also, there's like a, if you go to his website, patrickkillpatrick.com, I think, or yes, something, um, you should be able to get like an autographed version of it. I believe I forget how much, I don't know if he personalizes it, but I do know he, um, autographs it. So 
check that out. Enjoy the interview. Thank you for tuning in with us. If you want to get a hold of us, it's Go Network almost everywhere. It's yep. gonet.com for our main website. You could find links to everything else there if you need to. Find us at Go Network on YouTube, uh, on Twitter, Instagram. And that's G E A U X. Yes. Go. Gonet.com. Uh, with that being said, I'm Jay. I'm Dimitri. And we are Go With Us, or thank you for going with us. And we're here on the phone with Patrick. I don't know if you guys know Patrick Kilpatrick. He's known as. Hollywood's villain. <laughs> he is the villain of, I want to say, Star Trek. I always get shot for this. <laughs> I say shot because I do. Uh, phaser blasted. Is it Star Trek? Were you one of the villains there? Yeah, I've been uh, Star Trek Kazon, the first one. Yes. And, and I played another alien at one time there that wasn't a bad guy. And I also played a good officer on uh, Deep Space Nine. And then a a terrible villain on Babylon 5. Babylon 5 oh. is the one I remember you from. There we go. I was like, I know his face, and I know I have I have some type of hatred towards it. Not to be mean, but I just had something against your face. Yeah, I was, I was <laughs> trying to blow up the space station on that one. <laughs> I remember, Okay, here we go. That was, that was a nerd moment for me. Um, all right, good. Thank you for doing this interview. Uh, we're going to talk a bit about your book, if you want to kind of delve into what made you write memoirs, especially at this point in your life? Well, um, you know, I had a very privileged but unique uh, upbringing. Uh, my father was a World War II hero and struck out George Bush to win the National Collegiate Baseball Championship in <laughs> 1949 and then founded Cigna Corporation. And my mother was very accomplished as well, but had some mental illness issues. And so uh, that made her very volatile and violent. And that made, added a dimension to my upbringing. And I was very uh, educated at very high, high priced schools and fine institutions. And then wrote for every magazine in New York and most of the ad agency. And then transitioned to playwriting and assistant directing and directing on Broadway and off Broadway. And then the acting took off, so I knew I had a, a unique life story, and um, having done about 170 films and television shows, and been an embedded journalist, if you will, behind the scenes in all these hit action movies and television shows, that uh, I knew I had a pretty good tale to tell. Whenever I told stories in groups of people, I always had a story that topped whatever was being told, so... That didn't make me feel great diminishing other people's stories. So I just, I began to put them all together. And I was actually very pleased to do something that was non-collaborative. You know, I'd been movie producing and directing and acting for a long time. So it was nice to do something that didn't need a, a large number of people in order to execute it. Millions of dollars, which is what's required for a lot of films. What was your desire in the writing of this book? What were you really trying to get across to people? Was it just your story, or did you want them to have a takeaway from what they were reading? Well, the way I, I articulate, first of all, having been a writer, and my earliest heroes having been literary figures and either writers or characters in their works, my, I wanted to sort of pay my own homage to the, the gods of literature, people like Tom Wolfe and Ernest Hemingway and F. Scott Fitzgerald and people that I truly admire. 
retired, so I wanted to add something to that. But as far as the audience goes, I look at upon there there are many legs that you're trying to provide to an audience. You want to give them a great tale that takes them in a place they've never been, much like a film. There's the component of providing people who are entertaining in entertainment careers or, or interested in that to give them some insight into the creative process and the day-to-day reality of functioning and achieving things in Hollywood. There was a political component. Originally, the agents asked me to take the political component out, but then when Trump was elected, they asked me to put it back in. (laughs) And Hollywood is certainly a, a unique political environment. But mostly it's to tell a stunning tale and to be as entertaining and informative as you can. I think if there's a lesson, I think the lesson is, you know, negative events, quote unquote, are not really negative events. They're, I call them God's pivots that send you on your purpose. Because I'd had things like near fatal car crashes and all kinds of obstacles, and yet was able to do my own stunts in 170 films and television shows and to succeed despite perhaps some quote-unquote drawbacks in life. And so I think that you ought to face your challenges and go for it. That's true. And given the way that today's climate is for millennials, everyone's kind of focused on how do you make your own brand? How do you become the purveyor of your future? Like, what what is it that you can do to establish yourself and live the life that you want? And it looks like you said, all right, universe, I see all the cards you're dealing me and I'm just going to continuously forge ahead with the hopes and optimism that things are going to be great tomorrow. Eventually, it's going to pan out. Well, in truth, for my life, that's always been the case, despite the fact a very competitive arena, and I've always managed to figure it out. Education and athleticism certainly helped all of that, and that where there's a will, there's a way. You know, the Navy SEALs, and my father was one, they were called underwater demolition team in World War II, but they have a saying that every man and I believe woman as well, is capable of 10 times their perceived limitation. I think that's true. Where there's a will, there's a way. And those things are a cauldron for real creativity, whether it's a limit of funds or those kind of things. You have to figure out a way to make it work and thrive, not just survive, but to thrive and bring joy into your lives and others. I agree. In doing research on you, outside of the fact that you have a book now that people can go pick up on Amazon or in your local bookstore, if there's still some in your town. You happen to be, I think, an outdoorsman who's competitive. You fly fish. You're a shooter. I do fly fish. Yeah. In fact, we've got the Great West book signing and fly fishing tour coming up this summer. <laughs> wait, 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 you wait. Know, One in the same? <laughs> Well, book signings are, they're an interesting phenomenon and I enjoy them, but the book business, we're getting into the book business now. They don't, they're not an economic good model signing. You do it in order to generate publicity, of course, for your books. So what I do is conjoin them with some activity that I like, like a vacation. And since I love Montana and Colorado and Wyoming and all of that, and I love fly fishing, We'll end up doing signings in Telluride and Bozeman, Montana, and those things. So I, I try to pick a part of the country that I love, and then they organize the signings to that. Then it becomes sort of a combination vacation and book tour. If only you could see in studio, you're getting a lot of nods of approval. Like, this is a genius business plan. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, honestly, otherwise you're just expending money and stuff because that really doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense. You have to do it. It's kind of like a rock band that is constantly touring uh, <laughs> and you have to just keep playing those bars. So if you can, and same thing with move, you know, I've done Westerns in Calgary. One of the great benefits of doing that is you can fly fish at lunchtime, you know, because you'll be doing it right next to a river. Nothing like getting into the great outdoors. I've always wanted to try the Daniel Boone thing, but I just can't get into it. I have a fear of animals. A fear of animals. Well, they'll pick up on that. There's no question <laughs> that. that. Um, uh, you know, all animals, or is it just one type? No, it's... Uh, <laughs> all right, we're going to go here. All right, it's... Wilder, uh, so I, I have this innate... I don't understand where it comes from, but I genuinely believe that if I'm in the woods of any sort for more than 30 minutes a deer is going to be rabid and attack me. And we have deer behind this building, so I see them every so often, and I won't go to my car. Um, <laughs> well, you're an interesting man. Um, <laughs> I uh, See, I'd be inclined to get a crossbow and eliminate the threat. Oh, yeah, you know, uh, and you could do it silently if you're in a civilized area like that with a crossbow. Then you'd get some fine meat. I don't know if you're a vegan or not, but no. venison is really good. You know, we have some people don't realize the anti-hunting crowd. They don't realize that we have way more deer now than we had in 1900 because it's one of those species that lives incredibly well in Congress with man. Yeah, Suburbia is a brilliant habitat for deer. I was born in Virginia. The, the number one source of accidents in Virginia is vehicle accidents caused by contact with deer. There's no shortage of them. I think maybe if you cultivated archery or shooting, <laughs> then that might give you some confidence in that realm. Yeah. The only thing is, I'm the same person who tried with a, a switchblade to take lint out of a vacuum cleaner and cut across my thumb to the tendon. Well, um, I cut my hand very badly one night while I was doing magic mushrooms and ended up in a transgender <laughs> hospital. So, um, you know, these little adventures uh, sometimes give a good story. So for some reason, the hospital in San Fernando Valley is filled with six foot seven transgender nurses. What is going and, uh, on? That was pretty interesting to take while you're hallucinating. So uh, he is now my favorite interview. <laughs> this is this has become my favorite interview. All right, so here we go. I'm gonna, we're going to transition. Uncommon dialogue films. Why did you start this? Well, the truth is, when I came to Hollywood, first of all, I'd always been writing and performing. Even as a journalist, I'd play rugby and then I'd write an article about it. So when I got to Hollywood, I saw that those people who really control things are writers and performers or writers and directors. It's really a cross-disciplinary thing. I run a mentorship program and we always teach people, you need to know how to write, act, produce, and direct. And to some extent, teach. Those are the pillars of having launching a career and also having one of longevity. Just like Ben Affleck and Matt Damon writing good will hunting and all of that. 
So I was already a highly skilled writer, having gone through Time Inc. and Playboy and Interview and all those places. So I just uh, transferred that energy to screenplay writing. And for a number of years, I wrote scripts for other people. And then I began writing them for my own company. And then you're raising money and you're doing all of that and producing and developing films. So there are a number of reasons to do that. One, it makes you a better actor chemically in your head. I don't quite know how that works, but it does. Certainly writing, it's under easy to understand how that would make you a better actor. But it also puts you on a different informational place with your peers. I mean, I've had directors hire me because they were afraid that I wouldn't hire them. Wow. So, um, it, and it gives you something very interesting to talk about other than just being an actor wandering around with your hand. And it also psychologically and economically gives you sanctuary from the ups and downs of this business. I mean, I, I've probably at times of my life been the busiest actor in the universe, but you still are going to have some downtimes because of either world events or world economic conditions and those ch changing trends. So like when I finish an acting job with somebody else, I'm right back to doing what I, what I consider sometimes my central job, which is writing or raising money or producing or elevating. I'll get on a film that's not so great and you're able to elevate it. Sometimes I get hired by directors just because they know I can polish the script. Now, have any of these films, are, are they any that we know of or are these like in Sundance and private festivals? Well, I have some huge studio level things that have yet to come to fruition, but a film coming out, Nightwalk, I was a producer and writer on. Almost everything that I spoke, I created. Even going back to Jean-Claude Van Damme films, Death Warrant, everything I spoke there, I wrote. I have a film that we're in pre-production called Lady Pirates, another called Naked Warriors, one that we're in post-production called Active Shooter. I've written a number of scripts for other people's entities. Sometimes they don't end up getting their money, but you get paid for whatever you're doing, the script writing and the development. Got one called Bomb Republic that I just wrote and have developed and they're scrambling to get all of their financing, too. Financing is really a debilitating portion of the business. I try to let other people do that now, although I've done it. And I think successfully we've made money for everybody who's invested with us. Well, see, let's speak to that for a bit, because we just had recently on the show a discussion about funding and how raising rounds of capital from investors is hell on earth and it just sucks. But you say that it's you've had experience landing money. It's soul killing. I just did a workshop for a production company on how to do all of that. The key to that is there's no way to escape the soul killing nature of it. That was another reason why I chose to write the book. I just wanted a break from that stuff. But the key to it is, is to make every part of your project and presentation to the life, positive life benefit of the money source. There's only certain reasons why people invest in film, no, in no particular order or prominence. They want to make money, so everything in your presentation has to demonstrate that they're going to do that. They want to change the cultural landscape. 
they're Jews and they want more Hasidic content. They're Arabs and they want more Muslim content. They're Christians and they want more Christian content. They're patriots. You know, so you have to talk to them and figure out what their cultural landscape aspirations are. They want to have a legacy. They want to be able to tell their family that they're proud of this. So, And the other reason is they want to participate in the glamorous quote-unquote, world of film and media and television. Generally, that means women. <laughs> so you have to, or Playboy bunnies, you have to address those needs, and your package has to address those needs. And we do it on the economic front. You know, you have key man insurance. And when I was raising money, I would, I would even guarantee it against any inheritance I had. You know, so... You're doing everything you can to serve the investor. Maybe they have a corporation and they want that corporation presented in the story in such a way that is positive. Okay. And you have to figure out what their needs are. Now, you also have to address the needs of the global cinematic audience and take them to someplace they've never seen. And I think lead them to their better selves, which I think is the purpose of art. And you have to tell the story in an imaginative, globally attractive way. So you're funding, well, you're raising money for your radio show, correct? We're raising for the overall network. We are a multimedia network that has a mobile native application. Okay, well, you know, it's the same thing for magazines or films or any business endeavor. What is the benefit to, for, look, if you were a millionaire, Jay, and you, you had worked very hard for your money, you'd want to know what is being done with your money to generate more, and also how am I being served for doing it? So you, you'd have to say, obviously, it's going to be the number of hits, the advertising dollars that can be generated. You have to go face-to-face -face with people. That's why organizations have one person who deals with the advertising and the fundraising, and another person deals with the writing and the, that. Sometimes they can join and work together. But you really have to say face-to-face -face with people, develop a relationship of trust, and then see how they're going to benefit from what your endeavor is. It's the same in everything. Yeah, I genuinely believe that. It's just, it's so refreshing to hear from someone that has been in the field for so long. You've been working this entire time as an actor and then to see that you're so conscious of self. You understand the ins and outs, but you explain it in a way that the modern day entrepreneur that's trying to figure out how to raise funds from venture capital can apply the same exact techniques or at least mindset to their projects. It's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest challenges in film investment or television investment is that people have been treated badly who invested money. Either people come out of film school, if they're lucky, if they know even how to produce a film, but very little attention is given to the sacred trust. I'm being given money here. How do I get that back? And how do I get that into interest and profit for that person? And a lot of filmmakers selfishly don't think in those terms. We try to mentor people so that, first of all, they wouldn't borrow money from anybody unless they would put their own money into it. Because mm -hmm. you've got to return that investment. When I raise money from someone, it weighs on me more intensely than my own money. I don't think I'm frivolous with my own money, but I certainly wouldn't put the sacred trust to my own money that I would to somebody else's. Now, as you know, many people in our culture don't function that way. The whole stock market doesn't function that way. 
Yeah. If you lose money in the stock market, they figure, oh, well, you know, it was there for the taking. Unfortunately, I think that's a bad way to do business because that's going to catch up with you and your you know, the easiest way to get a second film finance is you made some money with your first. Okay. I think this is like going to be really great for the audience to take away because you have to realize what he said. The most important thing is, is it something that you would trust? You're asking somebody to trust their finances. They're in you, in your hands. You have to return it. We live now in a culture where everybody's so used to hearing move fast, break things. Let's let's if we run out of money this round, we'll get a bridge round to then get more money at some later point. That's not what you should be focusing on. Think about it as your best friend is trying to give you money out of their own pocket because they believe in what you've presented to them and work hard at making that well they're gonna have to believe in it and i don't play golf i'm a recreational and competitive shooter so i'll go skeet shooting with our investors for a long time and they'll trust me and and know me as a friend and i really am a friend to them and some people don't get that you know, the truth is I'm your friend first, and then we'll talk about the investment situation at some other time. So if there was no money involved, I'd still be your friend. <laughs> but you have to generally like people in order to feel that way. And for me, it's the truth. One of the reasons why I have to take breaks from fundraising and all of that is because I'm so dedicated to the repayment of it. And that takes extra special effort and care yeah it takes time to make the money back so don't just go around looking for more funding you're actually taking time in the projects to make sure that it's going to be something of quality that will return and give some for the investment yeah jay i'm actually the only filmmaker i know who's made money for everybody who ever invested with them. you're hearing that I've first never, <laughs> i've never found another one that's perfect i like that that was an exclusive tidbit here it's not on any Wikipedia. It's nothing. It's just here. That's where you'll hear it. So if you listen to this. Well, and you, to back that up, you have to provide names and numbers and documentation of having actually done that. Most people are so grateful to get their film funded. They're not worrying about the investors. That's uh -huh. a big black hole. What you want to do is create a landscape of making people money. I love the way he thinks. <laughs> this is amazing. You are refreshing. I hope you know that. Well, thank you. I work really hard at it. And I mean, you know, I've had attorneys say, hey, you don't have to pay these people back right now. And I pay them back immediately because, again, you want the best thing you can do is have a reputation for integrity and giving people money back and making them money. Huh. Well, where can people find out more about you that want to get a hold of you or if they have films they want to submit to you? Well, normally because I'm a writer, we don't really take other people's projects to produce unless they've got some money attached to it because I have some very worthy projects that we're shepherding right now, and that takes a supreme act of will. But people can get a hold of me because of the mentorship program and by Facebook, Patrick Kilpatrick, Twitter, I'm Pat Kilpatrick. There's no apostrophe in the I'm. It's just I am Pat Kilpatrick. Uncommon Dialogue Film has its own website, patrickkilpatrick.com. They can order the book on amazon.com in many forms, softcover, paperback, hardback, audible, Kindle. 
fact, right now we have a Kindle special going on and a Valentine's Day special going on. But Barnes and Nobles, they can go to any Barnes and Nobles and have it within an hour or deliver to them the next day. We've got signings all over. They go to patrickkilpatrick.com and they'll see where the signings are. I'll be in Dallas this weekend with a signing at Barnes and Nobles Kitchen. And I'm teaching a seminar at the Make Your Mark studio in Dallas. PatrickKilpatrick.com is probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. Fantastic. We just want to say thank you for doing this interview with us. Is there anything you would like to tell the young people today that you think you wish someone told you? Decide to be president of the United States when you're about seven years old. To broaden it, decide what you'd like to achieve very young, because I think you can achieve anything if you start young enough. And that seems like a pipe dream, but I think you can become, if the universe wants you to become president, it's like you can't be an actor if God and the universe don't want you to be an actor. But if you decide early enough that this is what you want to do, then the universe will start opening up and clicking and it'll happen. So many people don't know what they want to do, and that's okay, because I think we're all in the hand of destiny, and it'll be revealed at some juncture. But aspiration and genius happens when it happens. I mean, a guy like David Bowie, I'm sure he decided very early on he wanted to be a rock star and a pivotal musical figure, and he certainly became one. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. And with that, this is the Go With Us show. 